0: Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military.
1: She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. he would actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't knew the one I had, the
2: one comfortable. But I'm not joking.
0: This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu Does America.
1: Studosmerch.com, use the promo code Stu10 to save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell that tells you about more videos, I don't know, whatever you're supposed to do on YouTube, just do it. Glenn Beck is here, and we'll figure out once and for all, how much is too much when it comes to Ukraine? Greta Thunberg finds herself under arrest again, or perhaps she just likes being carried around like a sack of annoying potatoes. But we start by doing... Lori Lightfoot. Speaking of a sack of annoying potatoes, Lori Lightfoot. Yes, Stu does Lori Lightfoot. Not, you know, not not how I thought my life was going to turn out, honestly. Sitting here with a graphic that says Stu does Lori Lightfoot next to me. Not not ideal. Suboptimal, as they might say. Uh, By the way, Lori Lightfoot, of course, had the election last night. Let's check in for her victory party right now. Oh, yeah, there she is. Dancing in the streets of Chicago as the city burns. But the good news is, you, as you can tell, it's very cold. So the fires warm the soul. Actually, that was not her victory party because there was no victory party because she lost, Bye bye Lori Lightfoot. She becomes the first mayor in 40 years to lose re-election. Isn't it great to be an incumbent? Anytime you get, this, this should scare you when it comes to 2024. The advantage of being an incumbent is significant. Doesn't always work, as we've seen in the past, but it does work often. Makes a big, big difference. Um, now, of course, what are you going to do? What's the, what happened here? Well, the, the city has been you know, basically like a, a, a giant um, matrix scene where you're dodging bullets all over the place whenever you go to the grocery store. So what is she going to do in her concession speech? Obviously, praise her own ability to stop crime. I'm grateful that we work together to r- remove a record number of guns off our streets, reduce oh, homicides and started making real progress on public safety. I got to admit, I, I have not fact checked her claim that they've, re- they've taken a lot of guns off the streets. Could be true, could be false, like she could just be completely lying about it. But look at the catastrophe this city is in. If they got all these guns off the street, what does this tell you? Maybe that's not the difference maker just throwing it out there. Now, of course, uh, Lori Lightfoot had some reasons as to why she lost. She knew exactly what was going on. Was it her performance? No, no. Was it her uh, competence? No, no. It was, of course, racism. Mm Mm-hmm. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot blames her election loss on racism and gender. Now, I don't know if you could say this, because she finished third. OK, the, the voting was on the screen there for a second. Uh, 33.8% for Paul Wallace He was in first, a Democrat, by the way. Brandon Johnson in second, with 20.3%, Lori Lightfoot in third. The way this election works, by the way, it's kind of like the California situation. They had nine people running the top two in that uh, primary, uh, wind up going uh, on to the next round, a runoff. And Lori Lightfoot finished third. So we know she will not uh, be the next mayor of the city of Chicago. Uh, you also might notice that the guy who came in second is also black, okay? Here's another thing that Lori Lightfoot might want to understand. When she came in first, she was a black woman. I think. I mean, it's possible that she's changed her identification since, and maybe that was what was missing from this campaign. She didn't get enough intersectional points. She was only black and gay. You need to go further than that. You need to get trans in there somehow. Uh, I don't know. You got to go get, get, a, get your G pronouns going. You know, unfortunately, that didn't work out. What's interesting here is not, though, that necessarily that Lori Lightfoot lost. Obviously, Lori Lightfoot being one of the strangest looking human beings that has ever existed in the history of the United States makes her notable. And so we kind of all know who she is and what she's been doing. But it really wasn't her, wasn't her, I don't think it was her um, policies that necessarily led to this result. And it wasn't, you know, racism or sexism either. What went on here is the people of Chicago kind of had to admit something to themselves. They had to admit that what they were trying just wasn't working. Now, none of the people in this primary you would be happy with as your mayor, governor, honestly, probably, you know, taking care of your dog at, at the, you know, at the pet resort. You, wouldn't, you really don't want them anywhere near you. They're all Democrats. They're all liberal. They all run this way. They all run far to the left of where you probably are. But Paul Vallis is a little bit different than all the others. Paul Ballis is someone who says the things that might actually connect with you, especially if you lived in a city like Chicago and expected everything around you to be kind of liberal. He's not going to agree with you on abortion. He's not going to agree with you on, uh, you know, trans rights. And he's not going to agree with you on blah, 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 blah. All these sort of, uh, you know, a good chunk of the social issues. But what he will admit is that the city has turned into a crap heap. Paul Vallis went from electoral also ran to Chicago frontrunner a you know, former public school executive with more conservative views on crime and education, facing off against Brandon Johnson, who is a progressive county commissioner. And, you know, This is interesting because Vallis, while he's still a liberal, it's important to understand he's still on the left. What he's talking about and what he focused his campaign on was, hey, Chicago, I think you should have the right to go to the grocery store without being shot. I think if you park your car on the street overnight, it shouldn't automatically be lit on fire or stolen. I think maybe if your kid is going to a school where they're being molested by the teachers and uh, being assaulted by other students every day, they should maybe be able to choose a different school. These are not radical conservative ideas. These are common sense ideas that I think even people on the left would embrace. We saw a bit of this go on in New York with Eric Adams after the Bill de Blasio experiment, after all the problems that, that came from that. People said, well, look, we still want someone who's not going to be mean. We still want someone who's going to say nice things and follow some of our social views and blah, 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 blah. But maybe we could find someone who doesn't despise the police officers that are trying to protect us. Maybe they're not going to someone who's not going to defund the police. Here's uh, Paul Vallis talking about Chicago and how much safer he believes he can make it. Public safety is the fundamental right of every American. It is a civil right and it is the principal responsibility of government and we will have a safe Chicago we will make Chicago the safest city in America now that's a heavy lift the safest city in America is look I'm all for uh, setting aspirational goals but maybe you know Like, if I'm like, hey, I want to run a four-second, 100-meter dash. I mean, all right, let's be honest here. You know, let's try to get it under 40 seconds first, right? You know, like, uh, that's probably the maybe baby steps here. Baby steps, Paul. Um, Now, of course, this is a runoff between Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson. Now, Brandon Johnson is just as liberal and crazy as uh, Lori Lightfoot is. And this is the problem with Lightfoot and why she was not able to even get into the runoff there's definitely a good chunk of Chicago who has not given up on the progressive utopia they've been promised all these years. The issue with Lightfoot is everyone's been able to see how incompetent she is on top of that package. So for those people, they want up kind of splitting their vote between uh, Lightfoot and Johnson. And it's one reason why Vallis is not necessarily a lock to be able to get to 50 percent. He may lose uh, still. But this is an important statement from the people of Chicago. And they got this debate that basically had people like Lightfoot and people like Brandon Johnson blabbing out about progressivism and wokeness. And you had someone like Paul Vallis say, look, I just want to make sure you can get your kids to school. I want to make sure that you're not going to get killed. I want to make sure that, you know, every time, uh, you know, a store opens, it doesn't have to close down and leave town because every other day they're getting ripped off by a band of thieves. These are basic requests. I don't want you to be walking down the street and step in human feces. They're not high goals. These are not high hurdles to clear They're basic human needs. And as he as he pointed out in that clip, it really is a human right. If, if, If government is designed to do anything, it's supposed to be able to enforce the law. And it's the one thing the left doesn't want the government to do. It's really fascinating. Now, to show you the tenor of this debate, you had people like Vallis giving legitimate points about crime and and, and education and the problems with those systems, and here was the level of of coherence from his opponent, Brandon Johnson.
2: See, Paul Vallis is someone who is supported
1: by the January 6th insurrectionists. Oh,
0: Oh,
1: how is this still... (sighs) He switched parties when President Barack Obama became the president of the United States. It's January 6th. That's what the Chicago mayor... Notice he didn't say the Chicago mayor supported January 6th. He said the January 6th insurrectionists support him. Look, uh, is there somebody... out? Uh, look, he's by far the most sane person there. Um, I guess the, if you're going to look at someone who he did say at one point, you know, I'm almost a Republican at this point years ago, and that was used against him in this race. Um, this is why they're trying to go down this road, but Paul Vallis, you know, finished first and he was kind of the only boring, you know, old white guy, conservative-ish leaning candidate in the race. And that says something, you know, this, I, I think like he was the only white guy in the campaign. And, you know, look, I don't I can care less about the, what color his skin is. But I will say that, like, the dependence on by the Democrats uh, as to, to identity politics, uh, that whole thing failed here. They tried and tried and tried to make it seem like whiteness was bad. And what the people of Chicago said is, well, actually, I'd rather just, like, I want to be able to go to the store and get home safely so I can see my kids again. I don't care what the color of the skin is of the person who is mayor. As we saw in New York, they went from a white, terrible mayor to a slightly less terrible black mayor. And that was not something they made as part of a decision based on color. It was based on whether the mayor was going to be competent and whether the mayor was going to, I don't know, allow the police officers in their town to actually do some good work. Uh, So Paul Fallis did finish first. He's also the uh, only pro-police candidate. He is the only one who said crime was a real priority. He is the only one who said charter schools and educational choice is a priority. You know, maybe people who live in in a city where the public schools are failing shouldn't be forced to stay there. I mean, how can we possibly argue it's the right choice to take innocent children who have no input into this at all And lock them into terrible schools so that their lives are terrible. That their lives suck, that they can't get a good job, they can't get out of this area because they've been destined to a life of God knows what in a city that doesn't respect their lives from conception on. Vallis is sort of taking this, you know, Rudy Giuliani, you know, to some level Mike Bloomberg approach, which is, again, you know, you go back and look at Giuliani from the 90s, you look at Bloomberg uh, early on. You're not going to be happy with their social positions as a conservative. You're not going to love uh, all of their economic positions. You're not going to love how, how they're constantly growing programs and stuff. But Giuliani, who, who did this very well back when he was mayor, came in and said, look, crime was a real problem in New York. Crime was actually worse in New York when Giuliani took over than it is in Chicago today. Think about that. And Giuliani turned that ship around, was able to solve a lot of those problems. At some level, Bloomberg continued that success, built on the Giuliani platform. And then, you know, de Blasio came in and set the city on fire. And then they had to bring in Eric Adams. Um, liberal politics, progressive politics, socialist politics, many of them sound good to some people in theory. They don't sound good to me. I think you should be responsible for your own life. I think, you're, I think individuals are important. But a lot of people look at this and they say, well, this feels good. We should be helping people. We should be nice. We should make sure that everybody uh, you know, gets along in some fancy way. And socialism seems like a solution to some people who haven't studied the issue. But what they wind up finding out is, hey, wait a minute. We put these pol- We've been talking about these policies for a long time. We finally got a socialist in office. He's put them into place or in Larry Lightfoot's uh, situation, she's put them into place. And, and what do we get from that? Because I'm looking around and this place sucks. It smells. It's dirty. It's crime ridden. I'm stepping on needles every time I walk my dog. In reality, in practice, these ideas are destructive. They destroy cities. They destroy people's lives over and over and over again. And it's not just crime. I want to give you, this is an example from San Francisco. And don't worry, I'm going to show you a couple pictures of San Francisco. I promise I will not show you any pictures of human feces. That's just a, that's the Stu Does America guarantee on this program. We're not going to do that. Uh, this is the proposal for a building, a 1900 mission in uh, San Francisco. And you'll see this building. I mean, it looks Beautiful. Looks like a high-end, beautiful um, um, apartment building or condo building. Got the nice palm trees out in front. And for those listening on podcasts, it's basically all glass. You can see in huge open um, uh, floor plans and beautiful glass windows, floor to ceiling, wrap around. I mean, this would be a spectacular place to live if, of course, you weren't overlooking human feces. But what happened when this all went on? was this, and it says on the screen, I'll read it to you. At a recent uh, review of this building, several commissioners expressed concerns that these large windows and unusually highly glassy appearance were a statement of class and privilege. They saw the windows and said it was a bad thing for the community because it was showing too much privilege. A nice place to live was showing too much class and privilege. So the San Francisco liberals, the progressives, got together and they said, we don't want people to look, we don't want that building to look so nice. Seriously, this happened. Here's the building. It's now been built. They took away about 80% of the glass. And now there's giant concrete piles of, of nonsense breaking up that what was supposed to be a beautiful building. And now looks like something they should have torn down to build the other building. This is a brand new building. Brand new building. This is what progressive government does. It takes a life that could be really positive, could be really nice, could be a city that is thriving. And it turns it into, you know, uh, the Soviet Union. That's what it does. It does it slowly here because we don't have, thankfully, communist dictators Uh, Yet. But it is something that happens in every city that it's tried in. And then you wind up with people from San Francisco, from Chicago, from New York City, flooding to states like Florida, states like Texas, states like Arizona, states like uh, Tennessee, looking for any path out of their own uh, path of their own design. They want out of the thing that they designed themselves. This is not the way it's supposed to work. So, I'm happy to see Lori Lightfoot go. I think you're happy to see Lori Lightfoot go. But before that happens, one more vision. Hopefully this is the last time he will ever see Lori Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. Dance it, Lori. Look at her get down. No one's dancing with her. All just looking at her and saying, "Look at that weird-looking lady." Ah, yeah. goodbye. We live. How would you like to buy some gold and get a free safe? to store it in. That's right, qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group from now until March 31st, they will ship you a free safe directly to your door. Text the word Stu, S-T-U, that's my name, Stu does America, S-T-U, to the number 989898. There, you will get your free info kit on gold and claim eligibility for your free safe. Now here's the deal, the Fed keeps raising rates because uh, you know it's the only tool that they have to keep inflation under control and it's not working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. That's not how this works. You've seen the impact of the stock market. You've seen the impact of your savings. Uh, you've seen all of the uh, crazy stuff going on in Washington. Hedge against inflation by owning gold, whether it's physical gold and silver in your safe that you're going to get from Birch Gold, or you can get it through an IRA of precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers. Text Stu to the number 989898 for your free info kit on gold and claim your eligibility for your free home, free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, text STU to the number 989898. It's Birch Gold. Again, it's STU to the number 989898.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
1: I'm joined now by Glenn Beck. His newest special coming up tonight, right after this program, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's debate. Is it time to stop arming Ukraine? Uh, I, I mean, we've talked about this. I think your answer to this is
2: yes. Yeah, but I'm open to, uh, what I said to the producers was I, I am not for this. I'm not for war, I'm not for arming them. Mm-hmm. I'm not for any of it, okay? Mm-hmm. I was at the beginning like, hey, let's help them out. But I'm not for sending tanks and airplanes and everything right, else, right. okay? Um, but I said, I don't want a straw man argument. I want somebody that could convince me I'm wrong. And so we got Jerry Boykin. Mm. um, General I really respect. I don't know how far he goes on his support, but he is in support. And if there's anybody that could change my mind, it's him. Um, And then um, we are looking at the other side as well. Um, Andy Biggs (laughs) uh, dropped out. Uh, today, but I wanted him to make the, the case um, because he is trying to stop it in uh, Washington, D.C., and um, I want to have, so we're, I think we have, I hope we have somebody, because it's <laughs> soon, um, but somebody else is making the case that I'm making, mm-hmm. and that's stay out, Yeah. and I'm going to do a pro and con list of mine, why I think we should stay out, and then General Boykin will give his, next guest guess will give his, and then I'll reassess and look at mine. And I urge the audience to do the same.
1: Yeah, because I think there's several level, levels of this. There's this, I don't know, summary that like, it's like either you do, you agree with what Joe Biden's doing or you're pro-Putin. That's how it's like set I, up. I'm so sick of that. So annoying. I mean, there's part of this is like, do you think that the Russians were the aggressors in this war? Do you, would you support uh, humanitarian aid in some sure. fashion? Um, and it goes up from there to, you know, uh, maybe special forces, maybe behind the scenes stuff. May, then it's to funding. Then it's to like where we are now. It's like you're at tanks and then you're to planes. And then I think and the you, only thing left is like
2: actual troops and in being correct, involved. But Putin has already said these are the red lines. Right. The, the, we I mean, they're on the air in Russia today saying the United States has declared war on Russia. Right. Okay. Now, Putin hasn't said that, but the minute we cross these lines that he said don't cross, and I think we've crossed most of them, once he says this is not a war in Ukraine, this is a war with America, then you have all kinds of new problems. Are you willing to lose the electrical grid for two weeks? Let's be kind. For two weeks, you willing to live without power in this country for two weeks, for this? I mean, and that's a very base level type
1: of thing that could happen, right? Oh, it's what he's threatened. We're hitting their infrastructure all the time. Yeah. If they were to come back and say, okay, well now we're hitting your infrastructure again, like just because we didn't press the button in Ukraine to fire the missile that we paid for, is that really a line that Vladimir Putin cares about? No. Especially if we gave them the targeting, which if we, we also seem give to be them
2: doing. the drones. There was this great story we didn't get to today. There's a story about uh, how America is just loading up on drones for Taiwan, because we think the only way we could be victorious there, with thousands of our people dead. Okay, they've done a war game on it. Thousands of our people dead. Quickly, is to just put all of these drones out, so just fill the sky with drones, and there's no way for them to target all of them, and, you know, we, we I don't, I think we survive in the end. I'm not sure we win in their scenario, their mm-hmm. war game, um, but as I'm reading that, out in the open, the Pentagon is going all in on drones. I see that a drone almost made it to Moscow um, yesterday or the day before. Mm. And they're fighting now drones coming from Ukraine. God forbid one of those drones was supplied by us. If, I mean, look at China sent a balloon over. <laughs> right. And most of us are like, holy. <laughs> yeah they send an American drone over into Moscow and something happens, that's an act of war. He will absolutely look at it as an act of war. So, you know, what do we do? Because I, I of course, have spent a
1: long time working with you. Typically, I root for your shows to do well. <laughs> like that's, But, like, I am a, a, a tad disturbed about how widely viewed your
2: nuclear apocalypse show was from the other week. A lot of people are legitimately... 78% of the people now ask. 78% are saying one of their main worries is a possible nuclear war. Man, this is incredible. We're we back. went from zero. zero. Yeah, no one cared. No Nobody. one thought about it. No. Um, so...
1: What what do we what are those types of precautions people should be taking? I mean, like what? Are, I mean, you have kind of a different interest set here. You you have a, a museum with incredible historical
2: documents. What kind of what can you do to prepare for what could be happening? So I don't know. I mean, my gut tells me I'm always wrong on timing. Yeah, but um, I've thought lately. You know, I I put everything in a vault that could take a uh, a tornado, category five tornado, mm-hmm. direct hit, mm-hmm. and it's not moving. Um, but the real reason that I started this collection was to preserve all of our history, maybe for a thousand years, you know, could be lost like the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. um, but it would remain intact. To do that, it has to go underground, it has to go into a mountain. And then just seal it off and leave it. And I've been wondering, you know, when do I know it's time to do things? And I've been having the beginning feelings like it's coming. And I don't know when, but I will tell you. And I don't know what's real and what's me trying to figure out yet. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Sure. Um, But with me trying to figure things out. Why, if we're this week and we are, if we are this week, remember, I said in 2008, nine, there's gonna come a point where the Islamist, the communists, the socialists, the anarchists, the, um, Islamicists, they'll all work together without coordination, but they'll all see a moment where they go, oh my gosh, they are so weak. Go, right. Mm-hmm. We're there. We're there. Um, and if you're going to destabilize us enough to topple us, you would do it before Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, you know, right. somebody gets in. What if the, one of those guys wins and all of a sudden makes, uh, makes us strong Shores again? Shores us back up yeah. and says, OK, we're building the dike. So it's only logical that something bad happens in the next two years because Just as though, just as we are apparently playing for keeps, overthrow Putin. Okay. Um, Make sure China doesn't grow anymore. They're playing for the same stakes. They don't want to be overthrown and they're playing to overthrow us. And if you think they're not doing that, China, you're living in some dream world. How,
1: how concerned are you on, on this evolving alliance between we, China
2: and Russia and a f- few other, Iran? The things that we have done in the last seven days scare the hell out of me. Do you know that we quadrupled the number of American um, troops in Taiwan? Hmm. We've quadrupled them. You you don't win that war. You don't win that war.
1: Is that just a, is that our essentially our effort to say, Hey China, if you come in
2: here, you're going to be targeting American troops too. It's sort of Stu, what we do. Why have we always we been successful mm-hmm. in business? There's something that I've always believed, and I've lived, and uh, it always wins.
1: Uh, I think you might be referring to "Don't make threats, make promises." Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't ever threaten. Don't. That that always ends poorly whether you're doing war or you're in negotiations with your employer. Don't come in and say, I'm, I'm gonna quit. Don't ever say that. Say, look, this is what I need, okay? And I've thought a lot about it. If you can't hit that number, I have to leave, okay? And then nobody loses because if you're bluffing and they say, well, then we can't, I guess you're gonna have to go, then you can't go, oh, I'm sorry. Right. You know, we cannot bluff on this because they may not be bluffing. So we make a promise. We get together with all our generals and all of the people that we we trust and we do it with Congress. And we sit there and go, okay, what are what kind of pain level are we really willing to have? Are we willing to go to war with Russia? Are we willing to send our boys over? If we are, I'm not, if we are, well, then keep going. But if we're not, you better stop or back up and say, look, this is not a line for us. Right. I mean, this is a line for us. I, if you do this, I must do that. Right. First of all,
1: let me say don't make threats, make promises. Also really good parenting advice. It is. With, with your kids. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I, that's, uh, I constantly think of when I'm, you know, you're talking about, you know, punishing your kids or I,
2: warning your kids for doing something wrong. I've never said, I've never threatened my kids with a punishment. I have always said, please don't, don't make me right. hold this rule up. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that, Right. you know? I, I promise you, I have to do that if you do this. Please don't do that.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's. It really is an effective way of thinking it about is. that in that scenario as well. Um, you know, I think uh, the special tonight is going to be interesting because, I mean, Jerry Boykin, I don't think he's going to agree with what Biden is doing, you know, step by step, piece by piece. I doubt he'd be in full agreement. But there's there are parts of this. I mean, there are advantages um, to uh, slowing down Russia. And, you know, there, I, I think you but can see, argue the American interests is the represented. Problem.
2: You, you don't have Ronald Reagan. You mm. don't even have Donald Trump. No. Who knows? Don't ever bluff. Um, You you don't have those people. You also don't have Rumsfeld in um, the Pentagon. You have people who gave us Afghanistan and still call that a win. Mm -hmm. Okay? You don't want, even if it's in our best interest, we don't want these people calling the shots. It, it, it won't be done right. It'll be horrific, mm. horrific. Look at the choice they may have made just on blowing up the pipeline. Do you want, if we did that, mm. do you want those people with those ethics controlling the military machine in a war? I don't.
1: No, uh, not at all. Uh, we, we should do something about that. Maybe uh, an election coming up. We should make sure these, some of these things change. Yeah. Uh, because we're, we're in some serious uh, trouble here. Glenn Beck, a new special is Debate. Is it, t- is it time to stop arming Ukraine? It's coming up at 9 p.m. Eastern. Watch on Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. You'll save 10 bucks. Glenn, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Well, the left has tried to warn us over and over again that these evil conservatives will try to stop progress. And you know it's true. Now they're protesting uh, some wind farm, and uh, they're just evil, and they want to stop the wind farm. Oh, no, actually, it was Greta, Greta Thunberg who was protesting the wind farm. She has uh, been detained by Norwegian police uh, and come, come out against a wind farm. Now, this is something we've talked about a million times, that the truth is... Once they get their wind power, they will start protesting wind power. That's how environmentalists work. They don't want any of this stuff to exist. So when they get solar panels, they start protesting solar panels. How many times have we seen you know, liberals in, in the, on the Washington Ocean say, oh, that offshore wind farm, it's such an eyesore. They don't really care about any of this stuff. By the way, here's a picture of uh, Greta being carried off. I think maybe she just might be lazy. Like, maybe she just doesn't like walking places. (laughs) She's always being carried everywhere. So, and she looks cold. She looks cold. Um, Finland, speaking of cold, uh, has uh, started construction on a border fence. Now, this is one, again, I guess liberals will support, because this one is on the Russian border. And there's, you know, of course, now, my understanding... (laughs) Uh, my limited understanding of warfare. I've surprisingly not served in the military. I know you might think, oh gosh, Stu, I'm sure he seems like such a tough guy. Definitely served in the military. No, actually I haven't. I know it's a, it's a, it's commonly held belief, but in a military conflict, a wall not necessarily going to hold up uh, that well against, uh, you know, tanks, But I will say, you know, when you have fleeing refugees, uh, that may do something. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought you guys love refugees. I thought you wanted to take them all in. We will see how that plays out. But this is the one fence, of course, the left will actually like. In girls' high school basketball news, no, don't don't turn the channel. Um, Actually, this one's an interesting story. Uh, A girls' high school basketball team forfeited a, a tournament rather than play against a transgender player. Basically, a girls basketball team showed up. They were supposed to play a team that had a guy on it. And they were like, well, we're not playing against guys. It puts, you know, I have a, a daughter who weighs like 92 pounds. And I don't want her getting beaten around by some guy saying he's a girl. No. So they just left. And that was it. And I think you're going to see more and more of this type of stuff. I am of the uh, behavior that we lean into it. I think I'm going to look for a uh, college basketball coaching job and just recruit transgender players, only transgender players. So, like, it's a bunch of dudes playing in women's sports, and we just see how that plays out. I'm just going to lean right into it. I'm fine with it. I, I What I don't like is the mixing. I want all transgender players. I want all, like, 7-4 dudes jamming it in the face of, uh, you know, 5-8 women. That's what I want. And uh, so, if you're looking for that for your uh, high school or college, just Come to me, and I will. Call. I might not show up to a lot of the practices, though. Uh, and definitely never going to do a locker room speech. That's not something that's going to happen. Um, and by the way, uh, we should also cover the biggest uh, travesty in uh, human history the Sod Father. Yes, he's known as the Sod Father. The groundskeeper, ex NFL groundskeeper, George Toma, he, uh, he admits, finally, that the Super Bowl 57 field was overwatered. Yes. What he said happened, and this is really infuriating. I mean, look, they played on the same, as you know, I'm an Eagles fan. The Eagles and Chiefs played on the same field. You got to win the game that's in front of you. But I will say, what it seems like they did is four days before the actual Super Bowl, they drenched the field and then wheeled it inside. In Arizona, the field wheels indoors, so it never was outdoors long enough to dry out. And that's why everyone was slipping all over the place. And the Eagles slipped a lot more unfortunately, than the Chiefs did. Now, you give the Chiefs credit for that, but it's a travesty, it's a sham, it's a mockery, it's a travesty-sham mockery, and I shan't stand for it. to a special YouTube Live. Stew Eats America. I've got a bunch of treats for you today. Uh, and uh, I will say, uh, the best way to deal with a world around you that is completely falling apart at all times is to eat junk food. let start with the Bugles. Bugles Cinnamon Toast Crunch, blasted with Cinnamon Crunch, or Cinnamon Dust, sorry. Uh, no real advice here. It says, who should eat bugles? And so if you want to know if you should be trying these yourself, um, it says either tiny house dwellers and big city dreamers. Are you either one of those? Nosy neighbors or lion tamers. Amateur rappers. That's myself, as you know. Probably uh, bought a bunch of my albums. Uh, and uh, selfie snappers. Babysitters and knitter, and avid knitters. Ninjas and cute baby otters. Nine out of ten auctioneers and everyone, really everyone, kind of covered it. So I didn't really go through all that. Um, but I want you to make you know that the number one ingredient on this: degermed yellow cornmeal. Let's germ it together. Ooh, that's a very pleasant cinnamon taste right there. Bugles, cinnamon toast crunch, blasted with cinnamon dust. I will say, so anyway, on Stew Eats America, we uh, always grade these A to F, the old school uh, grading scale. And I will say with these, you have a situation here where I feel like the lack of cinnamon is a problem. Okay, I'm just gonna come out and say it, Bugles. I know you don't want the negative publicity. I feel like they'd be pretty good if they had more cinnamon on them. Right now, the Bugles taste isn't like my favorite snack in the world. It's like that, cor- it's almost that Fritos taste, which is just okay to me. Um, but uh, the Bugles Cinnamon Toast Crunch, blasted with Cinnamon Dust. Could I eat a whole bag of these? Yes, I could. I could eat a whole bag of these, which gets it above. I feel like when I can eat a whole bag of them, that pushes it above like the C level. So could I get through this? Yes, I'll give it a C. They're not great, but they will. They will probably do. This is a great comment, though, from uh, Danelle. Uh, All the cinnamon is probably at the bottom of the bag. 100%. You're you're probably right. Like, I could pour this out right now and just have enough cinnamon to get me through, you know, 12 years of cinnamon use. Because really, how much cinnamon do you need? Uh, Next up, Cinefuego Toast Crunch. Now, Cinefuego Toast Crunch. we got a bowl and everything. We did this right for you. We're not just, we're not screwing around. We're not screwing around. General Mills has uh, made this cereal. Thank you so much for... Your con- contribution to society means quite a bit to me. No uh, no description. I like reading their descriptions because you know someone actually took time. Now, you know who's gonna be making it? Freaking ChatGPT. They're gonna be like, hey, describe Cinefuego Toast Crunch. There's gonna be a bunch of gibberish back there and eventually it will probably start plotting the demise of all humanity, which you could argue, I think, fairly, that Cinefuego Toast Crunch is the first attempt by AI to destroy humanity. We don't know what form it will take, but I would argue, Potentially, this could be it. All right, let's try it. Cinefuego Toast Crunch. Woo! It's, oh my, it's smell. It's a cereal that smells exactly like fireballs. You know the old candy? Not necessarily the liquor. More like the old candy. Let's try it. This is Cinefuego Toast Crunch cereal. That's a weird experience. <laughs> Holy crap, that is a weird experience. <laughs> what? <laughs> this had to be created by AI. ChatGPT is in a studio somewhere coming up with formulas for cereal. Man, that is weird. Hold on, let me try it again. <laughs> That is strange. Uh, Is this a good cereal? The answer to that is no, okay? The answer to that is no. But generally speaking, I would say, you you do not wanna, this is not something certainly, certainly do not want to be eating this at breakfast time. Like that would be one of the top five most horrible decisions you'd ever make in your entire life. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a a D plus. It's interesting enough to exist. And I kind of like the fact that they gave it a shot, but man, I. It just doesn't work, it has a very weird initial taste, and then the odd burning of your esophagus at 8 a.m. does not seem pleasing at all. So, I don't know, maybe have it as a dinner cereal. Uh, Cinefuego toast crutch, i give it a D plus. Now's a great time to join the movement, Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. There, you can use the promo code stew. It will make you super, super special. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. Great uh, behind the scenes with Glenn Beck uh, actually happened today. For subscribers only, blazetv.com slash stew.